pleased for him to be here. When Miss Yvonne told me that was to fill in, I'm kind of like, praise God. Amen. We're going to have church today. So anyway, if you'd please give us a warm round of welcome to our bishop as he comes. Amen. Well, good morning, Christian Heritage. It is a joy to be back with you. I tell you, it's been too long, and I'm excited about being here today. I um, had spoken to Pastor Steve back uh, a month or so ago about a, a date coming up in the future that uh, might work for me to be with you. And then before we could actually get all that worked out, Miss Yvonne called me and said, Can we work this out? And I rearranged some things on my schedule so I could be here today to make that happen. And I am so proud that I could be here today to help out to surprise him. Uh, I saw, did, did y'all see the pictures on Facebook of him out on the beach with the 11 grandchildren? Did y'all see that? Y'all need to get on Facebook, people. What is a, <laughs> uh, he looked like he was having some fun. Uh, and I, uh, in fact, Mike and I were talking about it back in the, in the green room this morning that uh, hanging out a week with 11 grandchildren, he's going to have to come home and rest up from his vacation. Uh, y'all pray for him and he's turning 62 so that's going to be a extra tough well glory to god y'all i uh, she mentioned my wife and I, my wife she when i come here and she doesn't get to come she's always disappointed but uh, she had two things working against her today she's been sick this whole week with a crazy cold and, and cough and then her niece, uh, actually, on Friday had a heart attack. She's only in her late 40s, had a heart attack. She is still in the hospital, and the doctors aren't even sure she's going to recover. Uh, they think she might even have brain damage. She coded for 20 minutes. So she is going today to visit her, her sister and her niece uh, in the hospital. So that's the reason she couldn't be with me today. But she sends her love, and I wish that she was here because she makes me look a whole lot better. I... Uh, um, I, I love her so much. Are y'all ready for some word today? Amen. Y'all ought to get excited about the word. There is nothing in the world uh, that will affect your life and change your life like the word of God. You ought to live in it, recite it, memorize it, rehearse it, stand on it, declare it, decree it. Hallelujah. Somebody asked me when I come in today if I was going to preach myself so happy I sent myself an offering. And I said, I've been sending myself so many offerings lately. I'm about broke. I'm, so I'm, I might get excited today and, and, and preach. And if I get excited with where I'm going and throw this microphone and take a lap, somebody just go with me because I'm excited about what I got to share today. Amen. Y'all got a Bible? Turn with me to Psalm chapter 126. Psalm chapter 126. Uh, I uh, just want to appeal to the sound men back there. Y'all are really good at what you do. Um, I'm, I have a tendency to get this mic close and loud, so you, you control me and I'm just going to preach. All right. Psalm 126, verse 1. We're going to read the entire chapter. Psalm 126, verse 1. It's only six verses. Hallelujah. I remember I was thinking about this this morning as I was reading over these scriptures again. 
in the hotel room. It's amazing. Uh, when I was a teenager growing up in church in our youth group, we used to be challenged uh, every week. We had to come back and tell how many script, I mean, how many chapters in the Bible that we had read that week. And uh, so I would always wait till the last minute, turn to Psalm, and find every one of these six verse chapters that I could find and read them all. And then go back and report, I read 20. <laughs> Glory. I'm, that was back in my young days, y'all. You know, y'all laughing at me like y'all ain't never done nothing silly in your youth. Psalm chapter 126. Are you ready for the word? Look at this. When the, wor- when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Hallelujah. I feel my help coming now already. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Bow your heads with me and let's pray. Father, I am so eternally grateful today that you've given me the opportunity this morning to stand in front of this group of people and open your word to them. And I pray now, Father, that you would use me mightily God, that you would anoint me to speak very clearly, profoundly, and powerfully. And I pray that you will anoint everyone in this room to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church and to them personally. And for that, Lord, I will give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. This psalm that we just read from was written on the occasion of Israel's return from Babylonian captivity. If you read the major prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, you'll see that God warned Israel about her rebellion. He'd been warning her forever, for a long time, and she continued in her rebellion. Until ultimately he allowed the captivity of Israel because of Uh, They had turned into really a very idolatrous nation. Uh, Not very much unlike what has happened in America. Can I get a witness in this room? Uh, There was a day when honor was prevalent in our society, when authority was honored and recognized. And now uh, just the opposite has happened. The first point that I need to make today is that rebellion and negligence always results in captivity. Watch this. Rebellion always results in captivity. 
If you think back over your own personal lives, you can attest to the fact that in those times that you were the most rebellious are the times that you ended up in the most trouble. Come on, somebody. Let's take the mask. Everybody put your, chin, put your hand right here. Put your hand right here. Now do this. We just took the mask off. I ain't playing with y'all this morning. I ain't got time to play. I'm going to get in your business. Because I want to help you today. I want to help me. We are living in a rebellious society. I was in a bookstore recently looking for a particular book and I noticed, just happened to notice a, a young a, a mother and her little boy, about eight or nine years old, walk in the bookstore. And I saw him go over and find a book and he sat down on the floor at the end of the counter, uh, one of the, or one of the racks, and just opened a book and was thumbing through it. And a minute or two later, his mom I hear her saying, I don't remember his name, I'm, I'll just use Johnny. Johnny, come on, we got to go. Now, I knew who she was talking to because I saw her walk in with him, and I saw him sitting over there. And she says, Johnny, come on, we got to go. And Johnny, not only does Johnny not get up, Johnny ain't even looked up. Johnny, I said, come on, we got to go. Now, uh, I'm 68 years old, y'all. Will be tomorrow. And, uh, thank you, thank you. I didn't... That was shameful, wasn't it, the way I did that. I honestly didn't think about it when I said that, y'all. I promise I didn't think about that. But thank you for the happy birthday anyway. I'm 68. And I can remember when I was eight years old. And my mama tell me to come on. Come on, somebody. And I sat on the floor like I hadn't heard her. It'd have been ugly, wouldn't it? <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It'd have been real ugly. I remember sitting on the front row of the seat. In church, my daddy pastored the church and he was up on the platform and I was sitting on the end seat like right here. And my little buddy was sitting next to me and, and, and there was something going on up on the platform. And, and my dad was sitting on, a, you know, back in the day they had them big clergy pew up there, them seats up there that the pastor sat on the platform. And, and I'm sitting there where like, like this and I'm, me and my little buddy are just going at it and, and just laughing and playing and he's slapping me and I'm slapping him. And my daddy up on the platform. Now, y'all got to remember, it's a smaller church in them days. And my daddy dropped his hand down by the bench and went, ain't nobody in that church heard that but me. <laughs> and when I heard it, I looked up at my daddy and he said, well, see, John, he, my buddy ain't heard that and he's still going. And I'm like, but you know how you are when you're eight years old. I forget. And a minute or two later, we're going back at it again. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there just playing with my buddy. And my arm went. And my daddy is taking me out the front door of the church. He done come down off the platform in the middle of church. 
got me going out the aisle. I got to the back door. I hollered, y'all pray for me. He's going to kill me. We got out in the yard, in the front yard of the church on a Sunday morning. My daddy took his belt off, grabbed me by one hand, and went to wearing me out in the front yard. Now, nowadays, he can't do that because they put him in jail. And I try, y'all know how it is when you try to run from somebody when they got you by one arm, all you can do is go in a circle. So we going in a circle out there and he beat me for 45 minutes. Well, it probably was 45 seconds, but it, I'm, I'm just telling you what it felt like. My daddy did something though in those days. He taught me honor. And he broke a rebellious spirit out of me. And because of that, I'm 68 years old today. And I learned enough to keep myself straight and walk in obedience to God so that I don't end up in captivity. There are people sitting on church pews and church seats all over America who are saved on their way to heaven, but living in Babylon. I want to help somebody today. I want somebody that will open open your heart to what I'm about to share with you this morning so that you can get freed from an enemy that wants to hold you in captivity and hold you bound. There are people that say that if they died today, they'd go to heaven. I ain't talking about salvation. I'm talking about the journey. I'm talking about people that are on their way to heaven but can't enjoy the journey. People that are bound and oppressed. People that are beat down and, 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 and subjugated under the power of of a controlling spirit called rebellion. And the Bible calls rebellion the sin of witchcraft. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know why I'm preaching this today, but I'm about to preach myself happy, so it's all right. Hallelujah. Israel was negligent of their spiritual responsibility. Because Israel was supposed to be a nation of worshipers, a nation wholly and completely committed to God. Anything less than that opens the door for your enemy to take you captive. You do understand, you do know you have an enemy. I hope you understand that you have an enemy that's after you. But I got some good news for you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's after you. Oh, hallelujah. There is something in you today that's bigger than your enemy. And it is the presence and the spirit of the living God of heaven who has come and taken up residence inside your reborn spirit. And you are now a bad somebody. Hallelujah. Oh, I ain't got time. I'm going somewhere. Y'all stay with me. I want you to please understand today. The the captivity of Israel was not a takeover of Israel. It was not a hostile occupation of their land. It was an exile from their land. 
Stay with me. See, that's what your enemy wants to do to you. He wants to take you from your rightful possession. God has ordained and put together a system. And if you follow what God said, and if you obey his word, and if you live in submission and get away from all rebellion in your life, you position yourself in a place where the enemy cannot come and access your territory. But if you live in rebellion, and if you live walking and walking in ways that you want to walk, I'm going to be nice. You're going to put yourself in a position where the enemy is allowed to come in and do a hostile takeover of your territory. That's why there are Christians who go home to hell. I didn't say the word, I mean the world. I said Christians. Your home and your family ought to be a place where when you walk in, it is your it is your. Your, your, your comfort place, your happy place, your protection zone. And yet there are Christians every day going home with nothing but fighting and anger and turmoil. And it's because we just don't follow a few simple little rules. Y'all listen, this thing ain't rocket science. This thing ain't hard. I had a man tell me a while back, oh, it's just so hard to be a Christian. I say, hard? Man, I tell you what hard is. Hard, hard, hard is living your life every day afraid that the phone's going to ring and it's going to be the police. Hard is living your life bound and oppressed and depressed. Hard is living your life addicted and, and controlled by. That's hard. Man, the easiest thing happened to me is when I met Jesus and I gave it all up to him. And now I ain't nothing hard about this. I ain't doing it. Listen, I ain't serving Jesus because I have to. I'm serving him because I get to. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So notice how he works. He takes you the enemy. He takes you from. He doesn't take you. He doesn't, he didn't come in and, and take over your territory. He takes you from your territory. He wants to move you out. He wants to get you exiled from your rightful place in God. He takes teenagers from their parents. He takes husbands from their wives and children. He takes church members from the church. He takes us from where we're supposed to be. It's his MO. He's always done it that way. He asks for the opportunity. And the moment you give him the opportunity, you will find yourself living in a land that God never ordained and God never ordered for you to live in. You will be living in a place while one day you're singing the praises of God and on Monday you are hurting, desperate, and confused. Because God... The enemy has moved you from your rightful inheritance. Stay with me, y'all. There are children of God who, when they woke up this morning, were in enemy-held territory, far away from their rightful land that they once lived in. But I want you to notice a phrase 
in our passage that we read this morning. It says, but the Lord brought them back. Hallelujah. Anybody ever in here ever been brought back? When I was growing up in church, I don't know, how many of y'all grew up in church? How many of y'all grew up in church? Good. Some of y'all identify with this. When I was growing up, I got, listen, I got saved 7,432 times. <laughs> Something like that, give or take. <laughs> because, because I would go off on Sunday night, my daddy preaching. Man, I hit the altar crawling, crying and bawling and squalling and, Jesus, I'm sorry. And I go back to school the next day and my buddies get to messing with me and I do something that I thought was, that I knew wasn't right. <laughs> I knew it wasn't right. And then I go back next Sunday, my daddy preached. I go, I'm telling you, I got saved so many times. It's ridiculous. <laughs> because the enemy was constantly trying to take me away from my rightful inheritance, from where God ordained that I should be. He was moving me out and moving me away. And there were times in my life that I struggled and I was confused. And there were times in my life when I thought that. But somewhere in the middle of it, God brought me back. In fact, every time God brought me back. Anybody identify with what I'm talking about today? Did Jesus love you enough to bring you back? Don't act like you hit this war. See, some people think that us preachers, that we, listen, I didn't come into this world holding a Bible and a microphone in my hand. And some of y'all act like y'all just showed up saved. You, 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 You didn't come here saved. You come here messed up like everybody else, following the dictates of your flesh until one day you met a Savior who loved you enough to save you and redeem you and that he walked into your life and fixed you up and cleaned you up and then somewhere after that process you found the enemy messing with you trying to draw you away and you slip away and you slip back a little bit but every time how many of you know that every time there was something on the inside of you called the Holy Ghost that would just keep messing with you saying you gotta get back you gotta come on back you can't hang out over there cause that ain't you anymore <laughs> that ain't where you supposed to be anymore he come looking for you before you came looking for him. Are you hearing me? God wants you more than you want him. Can I, can I tell you, God wants you more than you want him. If you don't believe that, all you got to do is take a look at your cross and look at his cross and tell me who wants you more. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can I preach till two o'clock? Yeah, y'all say that now, but about 1230, y'all. I know how it works. I've been around a long time. I didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday. In those days, when this passage was written and that captivity happened, if one country was able to take another country captive, it was a direct reflection on that country's God. Because as you know, in those days, they served many gods. Oh man, they had many. Every country had their own God. And so if one country was able to take another country captive, it was a reflection on that country's God. Well, God didn't like that. God took that thing personal. (laughs) That's why God brought them back. 
You listen, well, you, you, you think, you think that God went and got you just because you all that a RC Cola, a moon pie and a bag of chips. He didn't go get you for that reason. He went and got you because he said, no, 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 you bear in my name now. And I can't allow you to defile my name. I can't let you get out there and show up in church on Sunday and then go act like a fool on Monday and, and profane my name like that. I done put my spirit in you and I'm going to bring you back and I'm not going to do it just for you. I'm going to do it for my own self. I'm going to show it to you in a minute in another passage. He said, I'm going to do it for my own self. I'm going to bring you back. I can't let you act a fool. Listen, y'all. Listen, if y'all going to act a fool on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, don't tell nobody you go to Christian heritage. Tell them you go to First Baptist or something. I don't care. Just... Y'all love me, don't you? So every day, Babylon threw it up in Israel's face. Where's your God? We own you. We control you. We took you out of your land. You don't even have your land. You're living in our land now. We own you. Where's your God? How come your God couldn't save you from us? Your God must be weak. (laughs) But according to verse 3, When God gets tired of your captivity, he's going to come get you and bring you back. And when he brings you back, people are going to look at you and say, look what the Lord has done. (laughs) And you ain't even going to be able, you you ain't going to be silly enough. Try to brag about how you got back to God (laughs) because you're going to know, you know, as good as I know that if God don't come get you, you're still bound and you're still messed up over there, addicted and bound up and frustrated and broke, busted and disgusted. You're still hurting and crying and desperate and lonely. If God hadn't come and got you, God walked into your miserable mess of a life before you went looking for him and found you. That's the difference between religion and Christianity. Don't ever let anybody call you religious. Don't tell anybody I'm a religious person because religion is nothing more than man's attempt to somehow get to God. Christianity is God's attempt to somehow get to man. He came looking for you. Man, I've heard people back in the day when I grew up, I grew up classical Pentecostal and Man, back in the day, every Sunday night, we had testimony service. You remember, Mike? We had testimony service. Half the time it turned into groan-a-money, fuss-a-money, complain-a-money, hurt-a-money. And I used to hear people stand up. I'm telling you, I've heard this. Mike, I know you've heard this one. You've heard this testimony, and you don't even know the man that did it. Because you've heard it. I just want to thank God tonight that I found God back in 1955. And he's been good to me ever since. You ever heard that one? I found God back in 19... I found God. I found... Thank God for me because I found God. I'm so good. I found... Boy, I'm so smart. I found God. I am so gifted. I found 
God. I'm telling you, I heard that testimony growing up. I didn't think nothing about it. But the older I get, I realize that's the craziest mess I've ever heard in my life. You ain't never found God nowhere, no time, no way did you ever find God. You wasn't even looking for God. God came looking for you. God walked into your life and picked you up and cleaned you up, dressed you up, set you free, caused you to lift up holy hands to him, dance and sing, and you didn't do nothing but accept the benefits of a, of a risen Savior who walked into your life and found you and said, I'm going to take you somewhere you can't get to by yourself. I'm going to take you somewhere you just dream about going. I'm going to lift you up and take you into my presence, and I'm going to show you stuff you don't even know how to find on your own. Don't you ever stand up in front of me and tell me you found God. I'll call you a liar because God was never lost. You were the only one lost. Somebody in here ought to shout glory. Hallelujah. I'm headed. Y'all ain't got to the message yet. Hang on. I was joking a while ago, but I'm going to preach till 2 o'clock now. Look at Ezekiel. Turn with me to Ezekiel. Let me show you this. Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 19. Look at this. So I scattered them among the nations. Now this is talking about that exile. So I scattered them among the nations and they were dispersed throughout the countries. I judged them according to their ways and their deeds. When they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name when they said of them, there are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his land. But I had concern, watch this, but I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. Therefore, anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible, you've got to ask yourself what it's there for. It's there. In other words, the therefore is there because he says, because of everything I just said, hear what I'm about to say. All right? Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God. I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. I'm going to come get you for me. Y'all done went over there and acted crazy and profaned my name, and I'm concerned for my reputation. They're talking about you and looking at you and saying, where's your God? You must, your God must be weak. Your God must be uh, shallow. Your God must be pitiful. 
Because look at us. And God said, I got tired of that. I got tired of you being in captivity because it wasn't looking good on me. Come on, somebody. You ought to be getting excited right now. I got tired of you living bound up like that by an enemy because it wasn't looking good on me. That's why some of you that know the Lord and name him as your Lord and name him as your Savior and know God as your God, you need to understand that God's going to walk into your situation and bring you out because God said, you messing up my name. You're messing up my reputation. I'm going to do this not for you. I'm going to do this for me. Hallelujah. Somebody in here ought to get excited about that. You trying to figure out how to get out of your mess. All you got to do is get out of a little bit of rebellion. Turn your heart back to God and say, God, I know that I haven't represented you well over here in this mess I'm in. So God, I'm ready. And God said, all right, I'm coming to get you because we're going to get my name straight. We're going to get my name back. Listen, that's why the world has so turned their back on the church. It's because we have profaned the name of God in this nation and in this world. And the world has lost confidence in the church again. Because we have not held him high and lifted him up and declared his name above every other name. But God said, I'm coming. God says, I'm coming and I'm going to get you straight. I'm telling you before the last day, before the last trumpet sounds, the world is going to turn back to the church. The world's going to come back to us and say, we gave up on you too quick. You had the answer after all, because they're going to see some Jesus in us. Hallelujah. My God in heaven, I hope you hear what I'm trying to tell you. You better hold on because God's coming to get you. Don't fret. Don't worry. I don't care how bad it looks and how bound you feel right now. He's coming to get you. Hang on. He's going to bring you back. America, God's coming to get us. We are a nation born of God. We are a nation established on the principles of God and on on Christianity. We have got to understand as a nation that God is about to set us free again. I prophesy to you that there is a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost coming back to America. And the world is going to see God highly exalted again by his people. And his name is going to be claimed all over the world again. Somebody that believes that, shout amen. Hallelujah. I believe it with everything in me. There is coming another great revival. There is coming another great outpouring. Two things are happening, happening simultaneously in the spirit, one in the spirit realm, one in the natural realm. In the natural realm, things are getting worse and worse and worse by the moment. In the spiritual, things are getting better and better and better by the moment. That's why you better follow your spirit. Don't walk after the flesh, but walk after the spirit. Believe what you know down on the inside of you in spite of what you see with your eyes. You stand on what you know is right and you stand on the character of God. When you don't understand what God is up to, you trust what you know about him. When you don't understand what he's doing, you trust what you know about him. You trust what the word says about him. You trust what he says about himself. When you can't figure it out and you don't know how to go and you don't know how to move. You just 
hang on to an ever-living, ever-loving, everlasting God that'll take you by the hand and bring you back. Somebody shout glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Listen, you can never, we just read Ezekiel, based on what we just read, you can never, ever, ever be delivered in obscurity. When God brings you out, everybody going to know it. Everybody. <laughs> when God brings you out, your neighbors, the people you work with, your family and your friends going to look at you and say, my God, what happened? Because <laughs> when God brings you out of captivity, he don't do it. He, he may, it may happen at 3 o'clock in the morning in your living room. But the next time somebody sees you, they're going to look at you and say, what in the world happened? And all you got to do is say, he brought me back. He brought me back. He loved me enough to go get me and wanted to honor his name and take care of his reputation enough to go get me. He's bringing you back. Are you listening to me? Your deliverance was so difficult that people are going to know that God's done a great thing for you. How many of you know that God has a flair for the dramatic? Oh, hallelujah. God loves the dramatic. God, God does stuff like, like he'll, he'll spit on the ground and make mud and put in a man's eyes to heal his eyes. Because he loves the dramatic. He wants everybody to see it. He wants everybody to be overwhelmed by it. Are you listening to me? He'll send a man out to fight a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. And he whip every one of them. Because God has a flair for the dramatic. Are you listening to me? God will send a little boy out to fight a giant with just a slingshot and a stone. Because God has a flair for the dramatic. God is going to deliver you in such a way that everybody's going to know that God showed up in your life and you ain't going to be able to take it because of the way he does it and because he's so dramatic you ain't going to be able to take the credit for nothing you go all you going to be able to do is just stand there and point up just stand there and point up and say he did it he did it i wasn't i couldn't even get out but he brought me back i didn't even know how to find my way out but he went and got me i didn't even know how to get unbound and unaddicted but he walked into that place when i was shooting up and grabbed me by the nap of the neck and brought me out. Are you listening to me? He'll walk into your church on a Sunday morning when you're sitting there singing songs about God but don't even know him. When you're bound up and sitting in church he'll walk in on a Sunday morning and send a preacher to preach to you about bringing you out so that he can rescue you. Not only for you but for his own name's sake. The church is going to become the shining light that she was supposed to be. The Bible a prophet Isaiah wrote to the church Church, arise!
eyes shine for thy light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. Get ready America. We're coming back. Get ready world. The church of Jesus Christ is coming back. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to look back to our Psalm chapter 126 text. I want you to notice that when the people got delivered and brought back from captivity, when they found themselves back in their land, delivered from the bondage of their enemy, there were two very noticeable reactions. The first one they said, we are like those who dream. In other words, wow, is this a dream? Are we really free? This is too good to be true. I only dreamed of this for years. And today, here I stand. I'm blessed. I'm free. Hey, hey, y'all want to know, y'all want to know what blessing looks like? Look here. Now y'all think I'm being arrogant. No, no. I just discovered a couple of things that in my captivity, the Lord walked into my mess found me and brought me back. And once that happens to you, most of us are smart enough to figure it out and not end up back in that place again. I ain't... I ain't the smartest crayon, the sharpest crayon in the box, but I have learned a little bit. The Lord brought me back and now... When I come out of my captivity, it's like, wow, I dreamed of this. I prayed for this. I was hungry. I was desperate for this because I was being held captive. Look at this. Do you remember a time in your life when getting to where you are right now seemed absolutely impossible? When where you are right now was just a dream in your future. Maybe there's some of you in the, in the place where you're dreaming to be someplace that you're not. So, you're who I came to talk to today. And I'm going to pray for you today before we leave. It was only a dream. But look where you are. It was only a dream, but look at me. I'm free. I'm free. I go to bed at night, put my head on the pillow knowing that everything between me and him is good. Hallelujah. Ain't no skeletons in the closet. Ain't no tripping, dipping, and sipping going on on the side. I am free. And I love him. And he loves me. 
And what was once just a dream, I'm now living. Hallelujah. Dreams do come true, y'all. Tell your neighbor, it's no dream, you're really here. Tell them, it's no dream, you're really here. I know you didn't think you could make it, but you did. The second noticeable reaction when they came back from their captivity, it says, they laughed and they sang. Listen, when your dreams are fulfilled, it is a natural reaction. Man, you're going to celebrate. You're going to be happy. You're going to be excited. You know what it's like to be bound up and free and then get delivered, dancing and singing. That's why it always amazes me on a Sunday morning, people come into church and the praise and worship starts and people stand there like, act like God ain't never been good to you. Act like you done got a favor for showing up in church this morning. Come on, somebody. When you free, you're going to act like it. You're going to show something. You gonna, there's going to be some kind of emotion come out of you. So, but Bishop, it's just not my nature. Uh, just not my nature to be expressive like that. Oh, really? Let me pose a thought to you. You home tomorrow afternoon, four o'clock, your doorbell ring. And you open the door, there stands people with balloons, a big check from the National Clearing House. You just become our million dollar winner. Now remind me at that moment how it's not your nature. To be expressive. You just going to stand there, take the check, shake their hands. All right, thank y'all. Appreciate you dropping by. Man, you ain't going to need no praise team to give you some music. You ain't going to need nobody to preach you a message about praise and worship. You're going to be dancing all over your front porch, running up and down the street, and your neighbor's going to come out to see what's wrong with you. Don't tell me you don't, don't like to be expressive. You just need the right reason. And what you need is to understand that God is worthy of your praise. He walked into your life and saved you and brought you out. You ought to let somebody know there's some singing and dancing going on in my life. Because I was bound, but now I'm free. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was hurting, but now I don't hurt anymore. I was confused, but now I have clarity. I was walking in darkness, but all of a sudden I got some light to lead me. Don't y'all get out of my way because I got some dancing and I got some singing to do because the Lord brought me out. Somebody shout glory. Hallelujah. People don't understand why we laugh and sing and dance in church. They don't understand. Man, don't you judge. Listen, next time you see somebody acting crazy in church and dancing, don't you judge them. Don't you judge them. Man, you don't know where they've been. You don't know what got that. You don't know what that dance is all about. Come on, somebody. Because <laughs> the greater your deliverance, the greater your dance. 
Oh, hallelujah. My God in heaven, don't judge me when you see me acting crazy on Sunday morning. I earned this dance. You hear me? I earned this thing. Y'all think, y'all see me in here looking so good and so pretty this morning. I'm bishop over 120 churches. Bishop. Let me tell you something. I took a church to pastor one time. Had 13 people in it. My wife and I lived in the middle of an orange grove in a single wide, about a 20-foot single wide trailer with one bedroom and two children. In the middle of orange. Y'all don't understand what I'm telling you. I didn't say next to an orange grove. I said in the middle of an orange grove, 20 rows deep. Orange Street, just a big place cut out in the middle of the orange grove. I, y'all think I'm kidding. I'm serious. I mean, you, you've seen orange groves. You go 20, 30 rows deep and cut out a big section and put a trailer in it. That's where we live. And, it was, and of course, you ain't got no grass. It's just all dirt and rotted oranges. My wife and I put the two kids in the little bedroom we had. My wife and I, for about three years, had a foam rubber mattress that we rolled up during the day and stuck it under the couch and at night roll it back out and put a sheet on it and slept on the floor for three years to pastor a church. So when you see me acting crazy and running around the church and singing and shouting and dancing like these people did, you got to understand I didn't get to where I'm at overnight. Oh, come on, y'all. I... I didn't get to where I'm at easy. I got to where I'm at just like everybody else. I had to tread on some serpents and scorpions just like you. I had to go through some briar patches and some rough times in my life. I had to trust God when I couldn't see God. I had to hold on to God whenever I didn't think I was going to make it. Are you listening to me? I know what it's like to be back down. I know what it's like to be up. And now that I'm up, I ain't going down. I'm going to hang on to him and let him hang on to me. And I'm going to sing and I'm going to dance. And I'm going to celebrate my freedom because I am not in captivity any longer. Somebody again, say amen. Hallelujah. Listen, you better know that when people who have been exiled get back to where they were intended to live, they're going to laugh, they're going to sing, and they're going to dance. Now let me get to the place that I said. All the things I've just said to get to is right here. The deliverance is fun. When your dreams become reality, it's exciting. But watch. But what do you do when your dreams are still just dreams? What do you do when your hopes have not yet been realized? When the possibility of deliverance looks bleak? What do you do when nothing seems to be changing? What do you do when you just can't shut off the tears? What do you do when instead of getting better, the situation around you just keeps getting worse and worse and worse? Your answer to those questions is in verse 5 of our text. It says, He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, 
bringing his sheaves with him. Listen and get this. Sowing through your tears. It's okay to cry. It's okay to hurt at times. Just don't quit sowing. And I'm not just talking about money here. Every time we talk about here sowing, preacher talk about sowing, everybody goes to money. I ain't talking about money here. I am talking about money, but not just money. Sowing. You keep sowing the seeds of your life. You keep sowing seeds of faith. Because when you sow with tears, you will doubtless come again rejoicing. The metaphor in the original language here is of a farmer going out to sow, but he don't really have much hope of a harvest. But he goes out, the Bible says, bearing precious seed. The word precious there in the original language indicates that it's his last. That's why it's precious. He's down to his last seed. What do you do when you're down to your last seed? The tears fall on the ground with the seed. In his mind, he's saying, if this don't produce... I'm finished. But it's my only hope. If your dreams aren't coming true, keep on sowing. The man who weeps and sows will doubtless come again rejoicing. He goes forth sowing with tears. He goes forth sowing. He returns with harvest. Everybody wants harvest. Don't you want a harvest? Everybody wants a harvest. But people are sitting around praying for a harvest. With no seed in the ground. There is no harvest without first sowing. The emphasis here is not on going forth weeping. The emphasis is on going forth sowing. You may be crying while you're doing it, but that's, a, that's another issue. The challenge is sowing. Trusting God when you don't understand what's happening. Sowing faith when it's all bleak. Sowing your faith and sowing your trust and sowing your life. Sowing your prayers. Sowing your confession. Giving it to God knowing that if God don't do it, I can't do it anyway. So God, I'm going to bring you the best I got. I'm going to bring you the last I got. And if it's the last breath I breathe, I'm going to be bringing you seed. If it's the last breath I breathe, I'm going to be praising you. I'm going to be honoring you. And I'm going to be singing your praises. Because I trust his character 
when I don't understand what he's up to. Hallelujah. The man who weeps and sows will come again. Listen, y'all. Sowing is what produces harvest, not weeping. But get this. God's not moved. The reason, see, the reason weeping don't produce a harvest is because God's not moved by feeling. And he's not moved by tears. Are you hearing me? God's not even moved by your pain. He's, he, 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 God is absolutely merciful. The Bible is clear about that. But that doesn't move God. God is moved by faith. Faith moves God. Listen, if pain moved God, there wouldn't, there wouldn't be a, a, a hospital room in Tallahassee filled. If God was moved by that, God's moved by what are you going to do when the tears are flowing? What are you going to do when the answers aren't right there prevalent and, and, and at your disposal and in your hand? What are you going to do? You keep sowing. You keep sowing. Because you may not be able to understand what he's up to, but you can trust his character. Listen, my wife and I have been together 48 years. We, 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 will, we will be 49 years in February. My wife and I have a relationship, obviously, like many of you have been married for many years. She knows me inside and out, and I know her inside and out. Listen to me. If the police showed up at, at, at our house this afternoon and said, your husband is under arrest because he committed murder. My wife said, y'all crazy. He ain't committed murder. Are you here? I don't understand what this is all about. And I don't understand the fact that he was standing there holding the gun, the man dead. I don't understand that. But I can tell you now, he didn't kill nobody. Are y'all listening to me? Because what, when I don't understand what he's doing, I don't understand what he did. But I know his character. I hope somebody's getting this. I don't understand every time what God's up to in my life. Sometimes he confuses me. Anybody ever been confused by God before? <laughs> he, 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 he's confused me a few times. But what I found out is that every time, when it's all said and done and I get on the other side of it, I can look back and say, oh, oh, yeah, okay. God was there all the time. <laughs> brought me through. Somebody in here know what I'm talking about? The Lord has brought you out when you couldn't find your own way out. Hallelujah. You hold on to him and trust him when you don't understand what he's up to. He says, he says you'll be bringing your harvest with you when you come back. You're going to be showing off what God did. Your harvest is going to be on display for everybody to see. The next time we see you, you ain't going to be empty-handed. The next time we see you, you ain't going to be by yourself. Next time we see you, you ain't going to be in the mully grubs. <laughs> next time we see you, you ain't going to be depressed. Next time we see you, you ain't going to be broke. Next time we see you, you're going to come in with your harvest in your hand, singing and dancing and talking about, look, my dreams come true. It ain't a dream no more. I got the reality of this thing in my life. Anybody in here want to walk into your future, bringing your harvest with you from what you've sowed throughout your life, so what you sowed into God's hand, because everything that you sow into God's hand, he'll return it to you in the form of harvest. Every seed that you sow, it may leave your life. 
or your hand, but it'll never leave your life. Every time you give an offering, I'm talking about money now. Every time you give an offering, that seed may leave your hand and it'll leave your wallet. It'll leave your bank account, but it will never leave your life. Because God said, I'm going to bring your bread back to you on every wave and every seed that you sow and everything you put in my hand and everything you put in the ground, you're going to return one day with a harvest on that thing. So you just keep sowing. If you're crying today, keep sowing. If you're hurting today, keep sowing. When you don't understand what God's up to, trust him and let God bring you back. And I know he will. Get up on your feet and give God some praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you today receive this word? Will you receive it? Hallelujah. Mike, move that for me if you would, brother. Move that thing for me. Now, listen, y'all. I know God sent me here today for somebody. It might be one person in this room. It may have been maybe 10, maybe 50 of you. I don't know. I know God sent me here for somebody today with this word. If you've been challenged today and you want me to agree with you in prayer, that God's bringing you back. Some of you remember days when your intimacy with God was much deeper than it is right now. Some of you remember days when your walk with God was at a higher level than it is right now. The enemy has been allowed to come in and take you captive in certain areas of your life. You saved. You're on your way to heaven. We ain't doubting your salvation. But you're here today. And this word was for you. I'm going to pray with you. And I'm not going to beg. We're not going to do the bow your head, close your eyes. I'm just going to ask you, if you want me to agree with you in prayer, I want you to step out, come and meet me right here, and I'm going to pray with you. Come on. You know who you are. You know who you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 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 Glory. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, those of you that are up here, look up here at me for just a moment. First of all, I applaud you for stepping out from that seed and coming down here and having even the courage to do that and the faith to do that, the boldness to do that. Because basically what you just said is that you want this more than you fear somebody judging you. So you just come on down and said, I've got to get this. And I, I, I applaud you for that. Now, I wanna, I, I'm going to pray with you today. I feel the Holy Ghost in here, y'all. I'm going to pray with you today. And God's going to do something supernatural. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. Look at me. Some of you, I, I see that you've been sowing. You, some of you have been crying recently. But hanging on to God and trusting Him that some way, somehow it's going to change. Some way, somehow it's going to shift. I just heard the Lord say that He's heard your prayers. And something supernatural is about to be released into your life. And it's going to come. Your harvest is coming. And again, I'm not talking about money right now. Your harvest is coming. You're coming back. And next time you walk into this building, you ain't going to come in empty-handed. You're going to come in bringing your victory with you. You're going to come in bringing your peace with you. <laughs> You're going to come in bringing your deliverance with you. God is about to do something in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is there, is there anybody standing up here that has, that has some children that are just running and You've been praying so hard for your children. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Just running from God. You've been praying so hard for your children. Hallelujah. Listen, if you've got your hand up, I want you this week, this week, for you to sow some things into the life of those children. I want you this week to, to, to go to God with faith. Y'all, I, I know it's probably, well, it's just three after 12. Give me just a couple minutes. Let me share this. You can put your hands down. Look at me. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, David and his men have been off to war, and they come back home to Ziklag, and when they get to Ziklag, their enemy had come in while they were gone, burned the city to the ground, and took their wives and their children and all of their possessions captive and made off with them. And David and his men come back. David leading his 600 men, band of some of the baddest boys on the planet. They stood in the middle of the city and looked around and they all began to weep and wail and cry because their wives and their children, their sons and daughters are stolen away and their city is burned down. And the men are so upset that they start to turn on David and talking about stoning David. Now, I, I, I stay with me. I'm saying this for a reason. David, what does David do? David is standing in the middle of a city, his city. The smoke is still billowing up around him. His own people have turned on him. His wives and children are gone. And he's standing completely alone. And what does he do? He does two things. The Bible says, first of all, he encouraged himself in the Lord then the second thing he says to the priest bring me the ephod and he goes to prayer 
and ask God what to do. Now, I'm going to tell y'all, that blows my mind. I'm going to tell you why. David, you know what we do? We walk back into that situation. You know what we start doing? The first thing we do is go to prayer. And we go to God crying. Oh, God, look what they did. God, look at them. They're turning on me. David says this. I ain't going to God in that position. I ain't going to God like that, like a defeated, beaten down, crying man. Before I ever pray. Before I ever say a word to God, I'm going to encourage my own self in the Lord. Because when I don't understand what He's doing, when I don't understand the mess I'm in, I know something about him that I'll not give up. So before he went to prayer, see, some of y'all need to go home, look your own self in the mirror, point your finger at yourself and start prophesying over yourself. And start declaring your own victory. I said that for those of you that have children. God said he's going to fix them to bring some children back to him that you've been praying for. And God says, here's what I want you to do. This week, I don't want you to come to me uh, and remind me how bad they are. I don't want you to come to me reminding me what they're up to because I see it all and I know it all and I love them more than you do. So God says, what I want you to do this week is I want you to go prophesy some things over those children based on my character. I want you to tell them in the spirit realm they coming home and they're coming back to God and I want you to sow some seed. Sow seeds of faith over your children. Sow some seeds of faith in their life. Sow some prophetic utterance in their life. Sow a confession in their life. And quit begging God. Because God said if you put seed in the ground I can make it grow. You don't, you can't get a harvest without sowing. So this week for your children, I want you to sow some stuff for your children. You might even want to sow an offering, but that's, a, that's up to you and God. But I definitely want you to sow into the life of those children what thus saith God over their life. And watch as God goes and gets them. Some of them are coming back this week. I'm telling you, there's a couple of you that have some children that this week are going to come home. Some of you, there's somebody here that you haven't even heard from, at least one of your children in a long time. They're going to, they're going to contact you this week. And the relationship's going to start being restored and God's going to bring them back. Because God brings back the captivity of Zion. God's bringing them back. Some of you have been just living in a confused place. You just don't know where it's at right now. Just a little confused. Feel like you're just living bound and frustrated. Sow some seed this week. Sow seed this week. Prophesy. Pray. Confess. Declare the word of God over your situation. And watch God do it. Hallelujah. This is between you and God. I, I, I... I'm not even going to come down and lay hands on you because 
This ain't. This don't happen that way. I'm. This is between you and God. But you've heard the word. I'm simply going to agree with you in prayer right now. Father God, I thank you now that by the power of the Holy Ghost, you are at work in the lives of every person that walked these aisles and standing here in front of me now. Lord, I thank you that you are going to get them. <laughs> You're going to get them. Lord, you're bringing them back. I thank you today, Lord, that you are bringing back children. I thank you that you're bringing back money. I thank you you're bringing back jobs. I thank you today, Lord God in heaven, that you're, that you're bringing back joy. You're bringing back peace. Lord, I thank you today that you are bringing back those things that the enemy has stolen. I thank you today, Father God, that as we sow seeds this week, as we sow into the situation this week, our faith and words and declarations of faith, and we sow prophecies and, and we sow the word of God, and we sow money. I thank you, Lord God in heaven, that we're going to come back with a harvest. I bless every person standing here today, Lord, that you'll allow this word to resonate inside them. Lord, that it'll just rumble inside them, that it'll be like an earthquake inside them, that this week they'll change the way they've been talking. I thank you, Lord God, for every person standing here, that this week they'll change the way they've been praying. They'll change the way they've been thinking. They'll change the way they've been living. And I give you praise for it. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you are setting them free and bringing back their harvest and bringing them back to you and I give you the praise in the name that is above every name in that name now lift your hands up those of you standing here lift your hands up and begin to thank God for bringing you back with your harvest he's bringing you back 